Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today it's all changed at the top as Bayern lose against Leverkusen to fall to second and Dortmund smash Köln for six to go first. Our Ruhr reporter Christoph senses Kloppo vibes at Westfalenstadion. We'll also talk Bochum's 1-0 win over Leipzig and Stuttgart going down to 18th spot at least. All of this and much more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to another very, very exciting Beer and Honey edition on a day when everything changed or did it at the top of the Bundesliga and indeed at the bottom some momentous results at both ends but before that your reminder that we need your help please do become a fully paid up member of our beer and honey supporters club and there is actually another tier of membership available you can become not just a supporter but a beer and honey ultra and if you take out a season ticket for beer and honey we will send you our very special, unique, nowhere else available, Beer and Honey Ultra Mug, which Christoph is holding into the camera. If you're seeing this on YouTube, we will be posting it online as well. Uh, you can also upgrade your existing membership to become an Ultra to bag one of these fantastic and very, very special mugs, handcrafted by someone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, handcrafted in, in near to Hanover. <laughs> and we already have two ultras. So if you if you want to join them, you're not alone. And you're not alone because you have us uh, uh, on this fantastic mark. I really like it. So do I. And uh, we do need a bit more help from you. Uh, the season is coming to an end and uh, quite frankly, uh, without a bit more support, I think it might be difficult to keep Beer and Honey going. So if you are listening, if you do like to have us in your ears, please uh, consider helping us with a subscription or two. Um, we'll, we'd love to have you and we'd love to give you a mug as a token of our appreciation. But let's go to the football. Christoph, during the World Cup in Qatar, many journalists um, and supporters showed off about being able to watch more than one game in person. But you didn't go to Qatar and you did manage to do the same. You went to the Ruhr area on Saturday and you saw two games. Yes. Now tell us all about that. Yes, I did. Um, I went to see... Um uh, Bochum against Leipzig. Uh, that was on uh, 3.30 German time. And um, afterwards, I rushed to Dortmund to see uh, Borussia win 6-1 against Cologne. And uh, both games were terrific for different reasons. But, but let's start um, at the uh, Westfalenstadion um, because... There was an, a kind of excitement I, I, I haven't seen for, for a long time in Dortmund. There was something in the air. And, and if you combine it with what happened um, on Sunday, 
uh, when Bayern was defeated uh, at Leverkusen. Nobody could know that at, at that time. So there was a sense that there is a real chance for Borussia Dortmund to win the German championship. And that, um, and that was uh, uh, fantastic to see. And um, yeah, I think we, we we should talk about this uh, the situation at the top of the table. But and we probably before we later on come back to to my little trip to the Ruhr, uh, we, we should start at at Leverkusen actually because um, Bayern lost, as I said, they lost for the third time this season before. Uh, they were defeated in Augsburg and Mönchengladbach and now Leverkusen. And that was under crazy circumstances. And, um, and, uh, and it caused a lot of questions. But, but let's start with the crazy uh, circumstances. I, I don't know what you, you think, um, which kind of lifeline um, the VAR handed to Tobias Stieler, the referee, who saw it all wrong. Yeah, so Tobias Stieler twice gave uh, a yellow card to Amin Adli for simulation. And twice uh, was told by the VAR that he co got it completely wrong and awarded a penalty instead, and of course choked off that yellow card as well. Uh, Adli seemed to uh, see the funny side, uh, maybe because he got the right result. Tobias Stieler even turned up on German television and said, yeah, you know, I got it all wrong, but the VR really helped me. So uh, thank you to Cologne. Thank you to the basement in Cologne for rescuing my behind. I'm not sure it was that crazy because it was twice the right decision it was actually a straightforward decision what was crazy was that uh, Tobias Stieler didn't just not award a, a penalty but actually confused the situation with a with a dive I would say I have some sympathy for the second one because Adli is trying to sort of look for the contact it's exaggerating a little bit but unfortunately uh, from Bayern's point of view Daya Upamecano is completely out of control and just kind of sliding along in the box and then you can't really have any excuses. The first one was Benjamin Pavard stepping on the heel of Adli and actually taking his shoe off in the <laughs> in the process. And Robert Andrich was very funny. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Christoph, after the game, said, if this really was a dive and Adli managed to take off his own shoe in the process, <laughs> he should star as a magician. Not so much pulling a rabbit out of the hat, but pulling your own foot out of a shoe, uh, which uh, is, is a neat trick, but in this case was actually a foul. And Bayern were 1-0 up uh, from a Josua Kimmich shot, but they didn't really create a lot of chances. Leverkusen had better chances, and Bayern only really got going once they were 2-1 down with 15-20 minutes to go, created one or two good chances, uh, didn't take them. And in the end, uh, which was quite interesting, I thought, everyone said, yes, we deserve to, to, to lose this game. We were poor. Leverkusen were more aggressive. We didn't create much. We lost both um, Julian Nagelsmann and Thomas Müller made the point. So Bayern gracious in defeat. But now two weeks to two weeks to chew on that and to yeah, cook in their own juices um, <laughs> as they have to 
get over that defeat ahead of the big game, ahead of the game against Borussia Dortmund. So the worst possible way to enter into the international break. But from Leverkusen's point of view, they did all the kind of things that we don't readily associate with Leverkusen. They were super aggressive. They fought really hard. They were efficient. They played a real good collective game. And they did so on the back of a tricky game on Thursday against Ferenc Varos with very little time to recover. So very impressive from them, but not so impressive for Bayern. Christoph, what did you make of the discussion afterwards? I don't know if you uh, saw it. They were talking about Bayern's formation. Julian Nagelsmann had to change things. Uh, Cancelo was playing in a wing-back uh, position, but was a little bit in the wrong position. And uh, they changed from defending with three to defending at four after 10 minutes, but they still build up with three. Um, was the confusion just uh, a lack of appreciation from the commentators, including Michael Balak, or was it symptomatic of this bigger sense of not maybe confusion, but a Bayern team who are still not 100% sure all the time what Nagelsmann wants of them and maybe sort of just need a little bit more time or too much time to adjust to his ideas. What was your feeling? I found it interesting that uh, especially Michael Ballack as the co-commentator brought it up during the game and also afterwards when, they, when he was in a discussion with Julian Nagelsmann. Let, let me say it in words he he didn't use but but he he was he was kind of saying that Julian Nagelsmann is a tinker man because he's he's tinkering around with the uh, formations and that a good Bayern team needs some uh, a structure where they can rely on and where they feel well and uh, um, where they have their strengths and not so so much changing so it was um, actually already after 10 minutes uh, when when Nagelsmann decided to to switch from a back 5 to a back 4 uh, but but uh, because it was so loud in Leverkusen or for whatever reason it took some time un until uh, all of the players including Cancelo knew about this uh, uh, tactical switch so um i don't know if 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 that was really the talking point of, of, of this game. I think they, there was another aspect that um, Julian Nagelsmann brought up and that I found interesting. He was, he was complaining about his team not to play as a team because he was saying uh, we, we were doing too much individually, uh, individual defending, individual, individual attacking and so on. And, and that his, his team was not didn't have the cohesion uh, that uh, he would like to see uh, on the pitch and and that was obvious and also he was more or less complaining ab about a kind of lack of emotion that they uh, his players were showing and w what kind of feeling do you get when you see this bayern team they 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 can produce very impressive performance and they already did this season but they are also in other moments in other games in in part of games where they kind of lose it um uh, for, for a while and and that has to do with how much you're into it how 
concentrated how uh, you are, how passionate you are. And uh, I, I think to have consistency in this part of the game that has to do with emotion, um, uh, that's uh, the big story in a way for me, uh, what's going on this season and this up and down uh, in, in this part. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you're, you're the Bayern expert and, and uh, you, you've got your ear on the rails, but, but <laughs> I don't know what you, what, what you make of it. Is, is that a fair to say? Is this, do we have to talk about the emotional, the, the emotional connection as a team? I'm not quite as despondent to have my ear on the rails yet, but uh, I, I think I understand what, <laughs> what, you, what you're saying. Um, I don't know, Christoph, if you can separate these two things. I wonder if this lack of emotion or this individual uh, sort of incohesive, uh, atomized Bayern team, anemic a little bit, is not also to do with this other issue that they feel that they're not quite sure what is this system is this our best system they seem to be kind of not in 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 tune with each other and i think that's that's what we've seen throughout the season that uh, you feel that a nagelsmann is pushing certain buttons and sometimes it works but sometimes it doesn't and somehow the team don't find enough quality and maybe also attitude independent of the tactical setup to then just win the game anyway. I mean, we used to have teams in the past that it almost felt as if it didn't really matter what kind of formation and what kind of tactics uh, used to be picked. They would somehow win it when they were playing in the you know in the Hitzfeld era for example uh, even in Kovac uh, first season you could see the team don't really enjoy it but they were so strong and they they would just find ways of scoring but maybe this Bayern team especially with no true promoting I think he was a big miss today uh, as we record this on a Sunday evening perhaps they give themselves less margin for error to then find themselves you know conceding goals and not winning games I, i'm i'm trying to think what happens if they don't concede these two penalties if either the var is asleep or there is no var or they just don't commit these stupid fouls is this a kind of game where It's a 1-0, they're not really playing so well, but Leverkusen open up and then Bayern hit them on the break and we think, okay, you know, didn't really convince us, but it's Bayern and this is what they do. But of course it didn't happen because they gave away these stupid mistakes and they didn't defend well and then you find yourself perhaps contributing to your own problems. But... I think you can tell that I'm a little bit at a loss to explain some of these issues because every time we feel that Bayern have made a huge step forward this season, um, after the game against Union, for example, then after the game against PSG in the Champions League, then we get a performance like the one against Leverkusen where we feel something isn't quite right. And it's very unusual 
for a Bayern coach to excuse to accuse his team of not having the right attitude, the right emotion when they're playing such an important game, as Thomas Müller mentioned, that they all, all talked about the fact that this was a hugely important game and they were up for it, um, at least in theory, but somehow can't make it happen. But the good news is that in Borussia Dortmund, we have a team that might actually for once take advantage of these Bayern problems. In the past, Bayern could do all these things and still win because the teams below them are even more inconsistent uh, or just cannot get the results themselves. But as you mentioned earlier, you saw Borussia Dortmund beat Köln 6-1 and it had almost a bit of a championship here we come kind of vibe even though they didn't know at the time that Bayern would lose and that Dortmund would take over the league table ahead of their trip to Munich. Christoph, did, did Köln make Dortmund look like champions or did you see a genuine quality that makes you think, you know what, this Dortmund team can also go to Munich and get a result there? Let me start with the players who were missing against Cologne, because I think that's pretty important. Um, Ötchan, for example, couldn't play because had stomach problems uh, briefly before the match. Bino Giddens was injured, has a shoulder injury. Emre Chan was out um, because of uh, um, uh, five bookings. Adeyemi, Julian Brandt, Mukoko, and, and, and the... Um, uh, Gregor Kobel, the goalkeeper, they were, they all couldn't play. And there you have a team that, uh, scores four goals with a fantastic, um, Marco Reus with a fantastic Daniel Malen, who, uh, a lot of people were uh, talking about as, as a, a transfer mistake. And there were moments in this game where Borussia seemed to, to fly. Where they were, they were. Everything was clicking. Everything was working. It was was was. Um, yeah, it was fun to watch. And uh, yes, it was a Cologne team that had it probably in a very difficult uh, phase of the season, uh, obviously. But um, it's rarely that team score six goals against them. Uh, so still, um, I was I was actually really really impressed by this Dortmund team and also by the atmosphere. I still would say, if if you take the players individually, by far Bayern has the best squad. And and I've I mean I've seen it uh, I've said it here so often that I don't see a real chance for Borussia to win it and the quality gap is too big and blah 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 and I I think I have to eat my words now um, because my feeling now is yes they are a serious contender for the German Championship and I would have doubted it um, until probably last week or so. I mean, you were much more optimistic that we get a decent title race for, for, for quite a while. And um, yes, um, we have the, the problems that Bayern have, and, but we have also have the quality and this 
flow-like thing that is surrounding Borussia Dortmund right now, and that is uh, uh, that will make this match on the first of April a big. Uh, so I, I would say it will make will be the one of probably the biggest game in the Bundesliga in the last I don't know how many years. Uh, Because very often in, in the past, these meetings, this so-called classical um, between Borussia and Bayern, were actually uh, pretty underwhelming. Yeah, well, things were close in that first Kovac season in 1819. Dortmund were actually ahead of Bayern uh, on match day 23, but then they lost at Augsburg and Bayern pulled level with a 5-1 win at Gladbach. And also, I think that season, I'm right in saying that Dortmund went to Bayern and lost 5-0. But the best thing about this result this week, as far as the neutrals are concerned, is that even if Bayern were to beat Dortmund heavily, and we have seen big wins from Bayern against Dortmund in recent years, then Dortmund are still in with a very good chance of winning the championship because Bayern seem to be inconsistent. And Dortmund, in this calendar year, uh, they've really made up that gap uh, between them and Bayern after the winter break and they've been by far the best and consistent team in the Bundesliga and it's good for everybody apart from Bayern who of course when they're not first see it as the equivalent of a disgrace <laughs> an absolutely unacceptable status quo because before we dive a little bit deeper down towards the uh, not-so-sunny regions of the Bundesliga. Let's stick around a little bit with a team that you could have watched as well on Sunday, but apparently were too knackered to go and see in the flesh after your exploits in the Ruhr area on Saturday. And that is, of course, Union Berlin, who, after a pretty indifferent few weeks and um, yeah quite embarrassing defeat by uh, the other Union the one from Belgium they actually managed to get a win at last against Frankfurt who are also not having a great time of late a 2-0 win Rani Kedira with his first goal for Union are they back are they just um, finding a bit of defensive solidity again were they just slightly better than a side that's even worse than them at the moment uh, what does this result tell us about Union and their chances of making the Champions League because they they've stayed in first place thanks to that win they are back um, they played um, perfectly Union uh, Berlin like football but only in the second half Because in the in the first half they in very many situations were uh, outplayed by Eintracht Frankfurt, who had some decent chances. And maybe we have to tell our listeners a bit about Frederick Renault, who is the not so known goalkeeper of um, Union Berlin, uh, a Danish goalkeeper who in the past also played for Eintracht Frankfurt or didn't play much for Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, before he came to um, Union, and during this his time at Union, it's he's in his second season now. He has de developed to one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. I must say it's uh, pretty impressive, very unspectacular style, 
um, how he's uh, doing his job. And he saved his team in the first half. And then in the second half, you could see the old Union again. Uh, uh, to no surprise, they scored uh, their first goal after uh, a corner. And, and then they were grinding down uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who looked actually like a team in a crisis or on their way into a crisis. Um, I'm not so sure about it, but um, uh, they haven't won in four games now in the Bundesliga. And, and altogether, when you combine it with the exploits in the in the Champions League or so, it's, it's right now it's not their best time. They have a power struggle on top of the club. Um, I don't know if, if, if this kind of stuff is interfering with uh, what's going on on the pitch. We have discussed this, let's say, strange, strained um, uh, um, situation between uh, Markus Krösche, the um, sports director and manager, um, Oliver Glasner. So mm, things look a bit difficult uh, at Frankfurt right now. And uh, we will see in, in after the international break if, if it uh, goes to, if it becomes a full crisis. And I can tell you when they're playing at home against Bochum. Okay, well, just in time, <laughs> just in time for that uh, Bochum game. They might enter full full blown crisis mode but uh, Christoph with Freiburg in fourth they got a draw against Mainz in uh, perhaps a slightly forgettable game uh, late on Sunday night we, we must say that um, uh, Freiburg was 1-0 up until the 96th minute until our friend Onisivo scored the equalizer you were remembering him the one we were saying that who only can score against Bochum, but uh, he has scored now a lot and uh, not winning there, but but only uh, driving home with one point um, at least left uh, the gap for Leipzig. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Leipzig in a second. Of course, you saw them lose against uh, Bochum uh, with much... Happiness, I, I would suspect, but because of not long ago, we were talking about the idea that maybe the Bundesliga has become a little bit better, and that's why Bayern are struggling. Now, when I look at the latest results in Europe, and I see Union are still the third best team in the Bundesliga, I see Freiburg are the fourth best, I must admit, I'm getting a little bit worried that these two teams might represent the Bundesliga in the Champions League next season. I, I'd be a little bit afraid that they wouldn't last that long um, in the group stage. What do you feel? Uh, I think in, in the end we will see uh, Leipzig as the third um, team there. Um, if they overcome their little crisis they're having right now, and then it's, it's Union or Freiburg and um, my feeling is uh, in the end it will be Freiburg but um, because they are the a bit better team but um, we will see um, and and still I mean if they have uh, if they qualify for the Champions League 
they have the chance to buy some players in summer to strengthen their team. So, um, but but yes, uh, the 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 idea that um, let's say Manchester United or Real Madrid are showing up at the Alta Firsta Rai is <laughs> yeah, you're laughing and I'm laughing too, and I I I, I we're we're laughing not a about them but with them because if you discuss it with people around union i mean it's it's uh, it's still this uh, fairy tale uh, like uh, atmosphere around uh, the clubs uh, also after after the defeat in in brussels and so no nobody was too frustrated about it although it was a frustrating game but um yeah it's a it's a chance that they that we see Uh, Champions League football in this tiny stadium with the um, terraces on three side of the of 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 the uh, of, of the ground. It's uh, uh, it, it it would be terrific. Mm. Well, definitely uh, frustrations on behalf of Leipzig. Although you must say they, we must say that they were much improved. They didn't lose seven nil this time. <laughs> Only one nil um, away to Farfell Bochum, a game that you saw. A game that really marked a bit of a comeback for Bochum. And more importantly, three points that at least for the time being put them in relative safety uh, in 14th spot. Four points clear of the relegation playoff spot, which is held by Hertha. Somebody on Twitter said they were touched by the events of Uh, the game in the stadium, how how beautiful uh, this win was, uh, Christoph. Were you having as good as a uh, as good a time as I imagined you had on Saturday? Honestly, um, Bochum was very lucky to win it because they more or less only had one chance after a, a set piece, and the set piece in this um, on this occasion was the throw in. By Christopher Antwi Adre, uh, who is who is able to catapult the, the the ball into the into the penalty area, and then you could see that um, uh, RB Leipzig has difficulties in defending set pieces, and in the end, it was Erhan Madovic, the uh, central defender, who managed to score uh, the only goal. And um, what what we said um, about. Bayern already. Um, I think that could also be, and 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 in a way also a bit about Frankfurt uh, can could be said about uh, RB Leipzig. They were not really playing as a team. I mean, they have their their players are so much better, and they were so much better on Saturday in in the Ruhr Stadion. You you could see it. Schoboschlei is a tr such a tremendous player, and and um, and and your old friend uh, Konrad Leimer. Um, you could see how how fantastic he is, and and so on. But actually, only in the last 15 minutes or so. They, they managed to constantly put uh, Bochum under pressure and then Bochum was very lucky and uh, Manuel Riemann, the goalkeeper, was actually fantastic. So he was a kind of man of the match and um, it's a difficult p uh, part of the season now for for RB Leipzig and and 
I wouldn't say they look like a team falling apart, but um, I think Marco Rose will have to take the this international break to put some pieces together that um, at least in Bochum uh, looked like as if uh, they wouldn't fit. But you could see how important Xaver Schlager is for the team who, who will be out for a long time. And I think they will be happy to have Christopher and Kunku back soon because um, um, Timo Werner was very disappointing uh, on, on Saturday. And yeah, so um, right now it's... it's um, I think uh, Leipzig has a quality um, and is the, if they are not the Bayern Jäger, uh, at least they look in general like uh, the third best team in, in the Bundesliga, but um, their form is uh, uh, way below it right now. Yeah, and they've got a big week coming up after the international break. They've got Mainz at home in a a must-win game for them to get back into the top four. Dangerous minds, we should say, because they are the second-best team in the second half of the season, even ahead of Bayern. Uh, they got that 1-1 draw we talked about at home to Freiburg uh, after Robin Zentner mistake, gifted Doan the lead, and then they late equaliser that Christoph talked about. But uh, Leipzig with that game against Mainz, and then they've got Dortmund in the cup a few days later. So, big, big week for both them and Dortmund and, of course, Bayern. But let's turn our attention briefly to the other end of the table where, apart from a momentous win for Bochum, there were also some very worrying events at Stuttgart and a sense that maybe Bruno Labbadia isn't the saviour after all, but just a very pretty boy. What do you think, Christoph? Uh, yeah, it looks like, um, and and it looks like as if uh, things at Stuttgart totally heading into the wrong direction, and uh, and I think there is also a collective sense that uh, among Stuttgart supporters that they kind of knew it. Um, and I, I, I'm not to only talking about. Um, that Alexander Werle, um, the new CEO at Stuttgart, made Bruno Labbadia the new head coach. But all these changes um, that happened at Stuttgart, that they in installed Rani Kedira, uh, not Rani Kedira, Sami Kedira, um, as an at sports advisor and also Philipp Lahm. I don't know if he ever showed up. Um, And made Christian Gentner, the former player, a team manager. So a lot of political decision to please the public. And um, so a very kind of old school approach to how things are done in football. Also to bring Bruno Labbadia as a, as a, a famous Feuerwehrmann. So a... Uh, Some, we, we explained it already what, what a Feuerwehrmann is. So, so a, a coach that is able to avoid relegations with teams when they, when they are in trouble. But, but things don't seem, uh, don't seem to click. And, and also, um, so the emotional momentum is not completely gone, but I think there is a now a 
big uh, a shadow of doubt about all this what's going on at, at at Stuttgart and I think it won't be helpful in the in this last part of the season in crunch time and uh, I think there is a a fair chance that um, they are losing their support at or, or that they could lose their support at, at a certain moment but let's see it it, it hadn't happened uh uh, right now, and um, but this one uh, nil defeat against Wolfsburg was pretty worrying. Omar Marmouche, the former Stuttgart player, with the winning goal, and as you said, it doesn't take much for the atmosphere to turn toxic in Swabia. They're never the happiest bunch, uh, <laughs> even in, in less uh, difficult times. Um, and you do wonder if the crowd will turn on the players or at some of the people in charge. Um, Schalke, they are in 17th after a hard-fought 1-1 draw against Augsburg. Augsburg looked as if they might be winning the game, but then they had a player sent off, Demirovic, and at the very last minute, um, third minute of injury time, Marius Bülter with a penalty got a point which I think Schalke just about deserved yeah. uh, and a point that helps them to at least not be the bottom of the table. Um, Hertha, um, in what was perhaps the most important result, with apologies to Bochum, <laughs> of the uh, relegation battle, they lost 3-1 at Hoffenheim. Yes, that Hoffenheim team that had lost five in a row under Pellegrino Materazzo, but uh, producer York likes this word very much, Aufbaugegner. Hertha showed up uh, and if you remember from Fußball, learning Fußball Deutsch the team that is the team you want to play when you are in crisis because they build you up because they're even worse and Hertha managed to bring out the best out of the Hoffenheim team Krummerich with a brace to give Hoffenheim a 3-1 win over Hertha a Hertha side that look um, I would I would add another uh, uh, learning fußball Deutsch um, expression. Learning fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. And that is Befreiungsschlag because <laughs> for Hoffenheim uh, this win was a Befreiungsschlag because the last time they won it was. Um, in October, mid-October, um, against Schalke. And it's it's a long time for a football team. I mean, there was this World Cup break and so on, but they were w waiting five months uh, for a win. And uh, you mentioned this. Um, they changed the the manager and uh, Pellegrino Mazzarato started with five defeats. And so so this was a good, great Befreiungsschlag. But... Actually, what is a Befreiungsschlag, Raphael? Um, it can be two things. If you clear the ball from a difficult position in the box and just boot it long, that can be Befreiungsschlag. And that's just a clearance. But in a more meta sense that you're alluding to, it is basically doing something that gets you out of a tight spot. You hit somebody else and through that you free yourself and you have a bit of breathing space by hitting someone in the face or <laughs> beating someone up. 
and that's that's exactly that's exactly what <laughs> what Hoffenheim did in this case. Um, and Hertha, well, what can we say? Sandro Schwarz um, said uh, the day after the game. I, I think he was still pretty angry. To play like this is a waste of time. Uh, and I like this. And he said the um, the performance of his team was so bad um, that that must uh, create rage. And uh, now they have uh, two weeks time to get really, really angry. And um, a lot of people were already discussing um, after the defeat in, um, in Hoffenheim if there might be a change of manager and <laughs> Paul Dardai coming back for the, I don't know, 11th time or, or so. I don't see it coming because um, uh, people at, at Hertha are still uh, pretty convinced that Sandro Schwarz is, is, is the right guy. But let's see how, how if that changes, um, if the results are, are not good still. Um, after also in, in the weeks to come, but uh, they they seem to have a bit of a momentum, Hertha. But they, uh, especially after after they were defeating Borussia Mönchengladbach convincingly, but um, any momentum they might have is entirely negative, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if Crystal Palace can think about reactivating Roy Hodgson then Hertha going for the Paul Dardai protocol wouldn't wouldn't be a massive surprise either um, let's see these kind of things usually happen in the March international break is that March madness <laughs> yeah March madness <laughs> yeah um, certainly March desperation um, on behalf of some teams now let's see what happens so we've got some big games coming up when we'll return with our Beer and Honey podcast. Of course, none of them bigger than Bayern against Dortmund. Don't call it their Klassiker, but call it the biggest game of the season. Well, international break is upon us. We will be discussing Germany's uh, squad and a few other things, I guess, in our subscriber special question and answer pod. Please send us, uh, as you did last time, your questions if you are a subscriber uh, via social media email you'll find us i'm sure a beer and honey account on twitter as well and you can also send us a, if you're already a supporter via email to our steady account as you normally do with when you communicate with us so that's probably the easiest and most direct way yeah, that if you're over forty and still know what an email address is, of course. <laughs> but um, for everyone else, uh, we can also promise you a little special edition of this pod during the international break as well. We've been talking to the St. Pauli CEO Oke Göttlich about St. Pauli's fantastic run and, of course, the big discussion in Germany: should the fifty plus one rule? be abolished should we have more investors should we have takeovers and as you might expect Oke has some very strong views that me and Christoph interrogated when we spoke to him watch out for that until such time I was Rafael Honigstein I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye 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 
Mia and Honey, the German football podcast.